Hi everyone, I'm Suzanne Delahunty and this is Freedom Hunters, a podcast about inspiring people who have made fascinating career changes and found freedom in their dream career. We talk about their journeys, how they changed career, the challenges they faced along the way and what success means for them now that they're doing what they love. Maria Hatsis-Stefanis founded her groundbreaking skincare group Rodial in 1999 by identifying a niche for treatments targeted to specific skin concerns. Maria has become a respected and sought-after opinion leader, and she's known for her mentoring and entrepreneurial guidance. Recently, she was a judge for the British Fashion Council Vogue Fashion Fund and has had guest appearances as a mentor on US fashion series Project Runway. Maria has just launched her second book, How to Make It Happen. It is the sequel to her first book, How to Be an Overnight Success. In her second book, Maria outlines how to motivate yourself and how to make your dreams a reality with stories of her own personal experience, as well as truly practical step-by-step advice to help you achieve your own ambitions. Maria achieved her success by thinking big, taking risks, creating buzz and building her own personal brand. But as you can guess, she didn't start out in the beauty business. After university, she completed a business degree and without knowing what it was she wanted to do with her career, she started out working in banking. But it was when she was fired from her finance job that things got interesting. We talk about how she started up her beauty business, mentoring, being an entrepreneur and what the challenges are for her in the beauty industry. Please enjoy my interview with Maria Hatsis-Stefanis. Maria Hatsistefanis, I'm so excited to be talking to you today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. So tell me, where did you grow up and what kind of a kid were you? What were you into? I, I was always passionate about fashion and beauty. Um, I was uh, born and raised in a, in a tiny island back in Greece, where I'm from, um, and yeah, I was all, always had this natural passion for being creative. I, I would buy fashion magazines and read about fashion and beauty and always obsessed. And what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, again, I was very fascinated with magazines and I wanted to be a, a magazine editor. But it's kind of interesting. A lot of people ask me, um, did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? And the answer is absolutely no. I had no idea. My, my parents are both teachers and I was raised in an environment that you needed to have a stable job. So I never really had it in my genes to be an entrepreneur. But what happened was, um, so I was always passionate about fashion and beauty. I, um, wh- when I was at uni, um, I got a part-time job as a beauty writer for Seventeen magazine, um, cause I was fascinated with, with beauty. Um, I did that for a little bit, um, but something was driving me into business. I don't know what. Um, so I ended up in um, New York and I started business. Um, the reality was I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I was very lost. Um, and of all places, I ended up in banking, um, first in New York and then moved to London. Um, so here I am, a girl passionate about fashion and beauty, working in banking. Um, what took you into banking? 
What made you? I had a lot of uh, loans I had to pay. And when I graduated from business, it was the natural career path when you study business to go into banking or business consulting. And um, I got a nice offer and I thought, yeah, great way. I'll learn a few things. I'll pay my loans and yeah, I'll, I'll see where that takes me. So there wasn't a big plan. It just it just happened. Just to step back to um, university, what did you first study at university before your business? Um, English in literature. So we, at the time when you chose English literature, did you have an idea of where that might take you or was it just something that you did because you were interested in it? I loved writing. I I loved reading and I loved magazines. And again, there was not a specific degree that I could have taken at that point because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, so that was an interesting degree, helped me with my writing and there wasn't a big plan. Okay. So then you went to New York, did your MBA and got into banking. Yeah. So banking then, it took you to London. Is that right? Correct. And what was that like working in banking when it sounds like it wasn't exactly your passion, but it was something that paid the bills at the time? Yeah, well, interestingly enough, at the beginning, it was really exciting. I mean, first of all, I couldn't believe I, I got I got this job offer. Um, a lot of super smart people would would get on board with a lot of years of experience. So I I was almost shocked that I got this offer. Um, and then when I started, I really wanted to learn. So I got into it. Um, actually, I got into it a hundred percent and I was, okay, let's, let's see what I can learn. And at the beginning, it was really exciting. We were working, we we're consulting with different types of companies and analyzing their business and, and doing a lot of Excel spreadsheets and coming up with ideas of how they can grow. And I found that bit quite interesting at the beginning. And um, there was a lot of adrenaline rush doing big projects for amazing companies. Uh, but then after a couple of years, the excitement just wore off. And, and I thought, you know what, this is, this is just not my passion. So I started not sort of staying longer hours. I started, um, you know, I mean, you can tell if someone's not into it. And then one day I got called into the boardroom and I was fired. So was that because you had sort of effectively taken your foot off the accelerator in your job and they could see that that just wasn't that the perhaps that career just wasn't for you? Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, I, I just wasn't passionate about it. And I feel that it, I, I don't know if it was me or just in general when you're doing something and you're not mentally into it and th it's not your passion. At least with me, it showed. Yeah. And, um, I wasn't, you know, I was shocked, but I wasn't surprised. And I wasn't, I was sad about losing a, a, a stable job and an income. And it's like, how am I going to pay my rent now and all that? But I wasn't sad about losing the specific job because I knew my heart wasn't into it. Mm. So what, what else goes through your mind when you get fired from a job? But then also, what has hindsight taught you about that whole experience? Um, it, as I said, it was a shock and, and coming from a family that I always, I was taught I needed to have a stable job, a stable income, always depend on myself and be independent. Um, it was a shock because I was thinking, so now what do I do next? 
I've already studied business. I've spent a good um, two to three years in in a career that I'm not interested in. So where do I go next? Um, so what I did, I, I did take two to three months of just digesting what was going on. I wasn't ready to do anything immediately. So I took a step back from from working and I, I sort of would go to museums and and sort of read and and walk and and just really try to find myself and and detox from what I was going through the last few years and once I got out of that um it all came back to you know what is my passion and I knew that my passion was um, something creative. I knew that I was passionate in, in beauty and fashion when I was working for, um, uh, my first job at the magazine. Uh, and that's, that's what settled after three months of deliberating. It's funny uh, yeah. because a, lo- a few of my guests have said that their idea for their business or that whole pivot came from actually having a period of time either traveling or, unemployment or something like that when they're able to get some kind of perspective. So it's interesting that that's similar story for you. Mm. Where did the idea for Rodeo is, – is that when the idea for Rodeo came to you or was it – Yeah, so um, at that point I thought, you know what, I'm passionate about beauty – um, it was a time that I would see a lot of brands within the beauty industry starting up. It was the golden era of the niche beauty brand. So when was this? Um, it was, um, yeah, it was, 1999? um, yeah, 1999. And, um, I was looking at brands such as, um, Bless were just starting and Stila Cosmetics and, I could see a lot of powerful women starting business brands and I got really inspired. I mean, Bobby Brown has always been a, a, a personal, um, sort of icon for me and, and her career and all that. And, um, and so I thought, you know what? I have this passion about beauty. I've been doing and researching beauty when I was at the magazine and I do have a few ideas. Uh, I can see a few elements missing from the beauty industry. What is a gap that I can fill? What is it that I can offer that doesn't exist? So I went through this thought process and, um, what I came up with was, uh, at the time there was a gap in the market for a skincare range that would offer targeted treatments to specific skin concerns. Uh, meaning at that point there was just a basic moisturizer and a boys, a basic cleanser and a toner. And it, the skincare market was really basic. I mean, remember this 20 years ago. Yeah, I remember this. Yeah. Um, and, and so I thought, um, I love a product that specifically targets uh, dark circles and and uh, pigmentation and um, different and very specific problems rather than generic. Also, I wanted to experiment with interesting ingredients because, again, at that point, all you had was uh, green tea and the antioxidants, and I wanted to find something a little bit cooler and exciting. So that was the idea, and, and that's when I decided to start Rodial. When you have an idea like that and it's quite scientific and specific how do you go about researching and and you know working on your product development yeah so um 
I always knew what the end product would be, um, and I always had a marketing view on what where does this product sit within the market. What I didn't have was the cosmetic um, ba- and the technology background to come up with a formula. So the first thing I did, I booked myself a trip and I went to Bologna. There's this trade show called Cosmoprof, and you find lots of labs and contact manufacturers and packaging companies. So if you're about to start a beauty brand, this is the show to go. And I spent 48 hours walking up and down. It's it's huge. It's massive. It sometimes it does take you 48 hours <laughs> to go through it. And I sat down and I met with different um, uh, companies. I told them about my idea. I got their business card and I come back to London with a pack of business cards. I've already selected the ones that I was, I was keen to continue the conversation. Uh, then I followed up. I narrowed it down to five. Um, most of them luckily were in the UK because the UK has a huge history of cosmetics and and skincare manufacturing, visited the um, factories and then made the decision of who I wanted to work with. On the business side then, a a lot of my listeners are really interested to know how people manage to change their careers or start a business from a financial point of view because this is a real blocker for so many people. They think, well, I can't start a business because financially I can't manage it. So how did you start your business from a financial point of view? Um, so the plan initially was uh, to get external funding. And you would think that um, having worked in the finance industry and having an MBA, that would be the easiest thing for me to do. So um, I put together a business plan, as you do. And um, I emailed about 20 VCs, venture capitalists. Um, I got about 12 uh, responses. I've had five meetings and had zero investment. So that was a big blow because here I am, a banker who is not able to secure funding for her business. Um, and it wasn't just the money. It wasn't that I didn't get the funding that I hoped for, but getting the investment would have been a validation that my idea was actually worthwhile and not getting that made me question whether I had anything worth pursuing. So um, I was very deflated, I have to say. I, I didn't expect things to go this way, especially when you read in the press, this company got this investment and the other mm. company. And you're like, am I the only one who can't secure investment? What's wrong with me? Yeah. So, um, So I thought about it. And then I said, you know what? I, I'm really passionate about this idea. I do believe in it. So what I did, um, I started very small. Um, I had about 20,000 pounds saving from my time, savings from my time and, and banking. And, um, I decided, you know what? I'm going to use some of my savings and work from home, uh, and put all the work myself. And then as, 
I start making some money, I'm going to put it back in the business and really keep things small. So I use credit cards, I would I would book, bootstrap the business at the beginning, and I was putting a lot of work myself. So Monday to Friday, I would be at home organizing, having um, had a close um, um, a cupboard full of products and um, go and, and meet the factories and the labs and answer phones. <laughs> um, and then on the weekends, I would go and sell my products to um, to the stores. So it was a lot of work at the beginning, wow. and I was doing it all myself. So yeah. it was basically making a lot of sacrifices, putting in your own savings, and just working really hard. Is that yeah? That all that. I was a one woman show at the beginning. Did you? I mean, you mentioned earlier, like when you were a, when you were younger, you didn't yeah. think you could be an entrepreneur. And in your first book, How to Be an Overnight Success, uh, you talk about entrepreneurs and how anyone can be an entrepreneur. And I, that really resonated with me because I always thought, well, I couldn't have my own business because I'm not one of these people who's an extreme extrovert who's really good with numbers and I didn't have a business by the time I was, you know, 12. Mm. Um, but then you contend, well, anyone, there's no typical entrepreneurial type. Anyone can do it. Can you share your thoughts on that for anyone who has the same sort of limiting beliefs about what they're capable of? Yeah. So I, I never thought I would be an entrepreneur. I mean, I never thought I would, I would do anything I've done with my life. And, um, the, the way that I saw this is I, I started on a journey. I was very open to whatever came my way. Um, I get really excited with new things. So I got excited with working for a magazine. Then I got excited with working, um, for a bank. So, um, I think what was, what really helped me to be an entrepreneur was be open to whatever came my way and say yes to opportunities. You don't need to be born entrepreneur, but I feel that you have to expose yourself to different experiences. Um, having a few jobs in the past, uh, be open to learning new, um, areas and, and be sort of ahead of the game in different industries. So it, it is all about being open to, to what's new and what comes your way and following the journey. But I, I don't think there's a specific skill that you need to have. And I, I've seen all different types of entrepreneurs. Other, others, um, can be extrovert. Others can be introvert. I'm a very quiet personality. So it, the way I manage my business, um, I know what I want, but at the same time, I'm very calm with it. Um, you don't have to be this massive extrovert person that is a big personality. You don't need any of that. And there's, there's so many different types of entrepreneurs, but you are definitely not born an entrepreneur. I think that it's something that you can cultivate and you can train yourself to be. And that actually, that leads me to the next point I wanted to talk to you about, actually, because in both of your books, How to Be an Overnight Success and How to Make It Happen, you talk about career development and also mentoring. And you take a really refreshing approach to this, I found, because to, to summarize it, um, your view is that you can be responsible for your own career development and finding your own mentors, whether they're direct or indirect. And I mean, I love this idea of, you know, making it happen for yourself. Is that something that you did throughout your career? 
Um, I mean, you have to. And when I started, we didn't have the um, concept of, oh, you have to have a mentor. I think now it's become almost a trendy thing to say, oh, who's going to be my mentor? And I need a mentor or I've had a mentor. We didn't have that when I started. So um, what I actually did, which was really helpful, and I always give this advice to anyone just starting out, I found um, other women who were just starting out their businesses the same way I was. One of them was starting a nail business or another one was starting a jewelry business or a legging business. And they were all, we were all on the same boat just having started out. And what we do is get together and have a coffee and say, you know, this is my challenge this week. And they would say, oh, you know, I've dealt with that last week and these are two contacts I can share with you. Um, and they would say, and this is what I'm facing this week. And I would say, oh, well, I've I've had the same situation. This is how I dealt with it. So I used my network of peers to get um, information, contacts, encouragement. And, and it was great to feel that I was not the only one going through what I was going through. Um, and in fact, I think it's, it's more relatable to be able to gain this knowledge from people who are at the exact same um, journey as you are. You feel like a sense of community. So that that was something that really helped me, especially at the beginning. And then uh, whether you have your own business or you're a freelancer, you don't have a boss. You don't have someone to show you the way and show you how you need to go about your work. Um, so I've, I've, um, as I say in my books, it, my personal development, it's always been what I put into it. And it could be, I'm a, I'm a massive reader. Um, I, I read lots of books. Um, <laughs> someone joked the other day, like one day you're going to read a how to read a how to book because I've read every, <laughs> whatever's going on in my life or in my mind, I buy a how to book. Um, so I've been reading a lot of books. Uh, I have been attending a lot of conferences. Sometimes conferences would be on this, on my subject or, um, other times I would go to a, to a wider subject conference. Let's say, you know, it would be a beauty conference, but I would attend a fashion one, which may not be the exact subject, but it opens my, um, it, it opens my mind into different trends and, and different directions, or it could be a tech conference. So, um, I've, I'm, I've been attending and I still attend quite a few of those. Uh, and, and really, I mean, there's so much to go into these days. YouTube, there's a lot of YouTube, um, informational uh, tutorials and research that you can read online. There is so much. But I feel that, um, I mean, with me, I try to put at least 15 hours a day uh, to do something to educate me and bring my skills um, to now mm -hmm. and learn something new. Um, so I, I've always taken control of my own development and I feel anyone out there who is on their own and wants to succeed, you have to take control of your development, right? Yeah, it's so true because I think especially if you're on your own and you're yeah. starting out, either freelancing or starting your own business, 
you know, all of a sudden you might find yourself having to do marketing and you've never done marketing before in your life because you, but now you've got to promote your, yourself or your business. And so you can't just sit back and continue just doing the creative part that you love. Yeah. I think it's important. Or even say that, you know what, I'm going to just sit still until I find a mentor. And that's, that's all that can help me in my career. I just need to find that. Unless I find that mentor, I cannot develop. Like you can't be like that. You can't depend on other people. You mm-hmm. have to depend on yourself. If you find a mentor, good for you. It's very hard. I don't know where these mentors are. <laughs> They're very hard to find. Yeah, they are. Uh, but I, as I say in my book, the, it's it's all about the indirect mentor. So um, there is, um, you know, if you look up to someone, and sort of one of the first books I've I've read is Girl Boss and Sophia Amoroso, and and she's sort of I'm a big fan of of her work. And I read her book five times. And, you know, people that you admire, they may have written books. They may have published articles. There may be interviews about them. So, yeah, I, I can't have access to her. But I can read all the material that she has produced, um, all the interviews about her. And this is how I'm going to learn. I think that's a great way. It's indirect mentorship. Mm. It's great advice, actually, because I think a lot of people let it hold them back, like you say. Now that you are running your own business and you have been for quite a few years now what are the main challenges what what should people know about the realities of running your own business at this point where they're maybe they're just thinking about it or uh, in the process of starting out themselves well one thing I have to say about business is it never gets easy um uh, when I started um it was challenging for five reasons and now 20 years later it is still challenging for a different five reasons <laughs> uh, but there, there's still challenges um, we are in an industry beauty is an industry that it's very competitive uh, mm. there's a lot of new brands coming in every day you have to compete with the major brands heritage brands that have been around for 50 years you're also competing with influencers coming up with their own brands uh or startups so you know the competition whatever you do in this day and age is fierce um and you just have to keep going um it's great when you're just starting out you're getting a lot of attention you're the new kid on the block but then it's if you've been around for a while then how can you keep things fresh how can you reinvent yourself and your business and the products and um you can never relax the minute we have a successful launch we already start to start thinking about the next one and there is no formula. You know, I wish there was a formula to tell me if you follow X, Y, Z, the next product launch is going to be successful. You never know. Mm. You never know. You just go with your gut instinct. You've seen what worked in the past. You know what the DNA of the brand is. You come up with something that you're excited about, and then you just sit back and, and see what happens. Mm. So, yeah, it's it never gets easy. But I feel it's important that you are passionate about what you do and you're not doing it for the money. Uh, if it's something that, you know, I've, I've seen this again and again, especially in the tech industry and the tech boom and people getting into it and they're not passionate, but they think I'm going to make a lot of money out of this. And then if things get challenging, uh, there is no passion to drive you through the challenges. So it, if you're passionate, if you love what you do, I know this is very cliche, 
but the passion and the belief in your product or the service or whatever you do is going to take you through the challenging times. I mean, I guess a lot of that is knowing your industry and, and keeping up on the latest developments because who would have thought 20 years ago when you started out that all of a sudden, they, well, not all of a sudden, but eventually there would be these people called influencers who... You know, you know, have been playing quite a big role in the beauty and fashion industries. How do you stay abreast of you know the latest developments, and what do you see as the future for the beauty industry? Um, you know, as as I've said, there is there's a lot going on, and there's a lot of competition. Um, and there was a point that it, it was all too much, and and you didn't know. There's a thousand trends right now. Where do I go? Um, and there was a point that we sat down and, and we, with a team, with a marketing team, and we said, let's just look back at who is the Rodial woman. You know, let's just think about her, see, uh, how she behaves, how she shops, what she uses, what's her lifestyle. And then once we have that Rodial woman in mind, then just focus on delivering products that would fit our very specific customer. And I think once you very narrowly define who your customer is and who your target audience is, then you can be successful. I think it all starts getting a bit too much when you're saying, oh, I've heard that um, we need to be targeting the millennials now or uh, Gen um, X, Y, whatever that is. This is the future. So suddenly developing products for 18-year-olds. So you just have to narrow it down and you need to follow um, your own lane. I think that's the only way that you can be successful. You cannot be distracted from everything else that's going on around you. What would your advice be to anyone who wants to get into the beauty industry? Beauty, The beauty industry is um, very exciting. I think that, um, I mean, I'm excited to see new brands because they keep all of us on our toes. Um, but you need to know what your niche is going to be. There was this woman who connected with me on Instagram at my Mrs. Rodiel account and said, um, I'd like to launch a, a beauty brand, but I have about a hundred product ideas uh, between hair, face, body, nails, and I have so many ideas, I don't even know where to start. Well, just find a category, first of all. <laughs> um, Anyone can be successful and anyone can come up with a very successful beauty brand. But I remember when I started, we only have four products and it was a very narrow offering. Since then, we've evolved, we developed, the brand has changed, but I had a very specific point of view. I knew who my um, customer was. I knew what were the, uh, what I was targeting in terms of skincare issues. And it was a very narrow offering. And I think that was very crucial to the, um, setting the, uh, the tone, uh, creating buzz and making very clear of what Rodial was. Um, so my advice is be very narrow about what you're offering. Know your customer, describe your customer and, um, create products for her or him. Um, and, and just, be very, very focused. On a different topic, you've also written two books in the last few years. Mm. Um, did you always have an idea that you might write books? 
The books were kind of uh, therapy for me, I have to say. <laughs> uh, never ever did I think I would I would write books, and that was not in the plan. And um, what happened was, I'm I'm very active on Instagram, and I was getting a lot of questions from um from yeah from young new entrepreneurs um asking how do i set up a business um how do i put together a business plan um how do i deal with challenges and i was getting so many questions and i found that responding on a on a comment on instagram it it just really wasn't the way to do it so um that got me thinking that got me thinking that uh, there's a lot that I can share with this new generation of entrepreneurs. And um, what I did every time I had a challenging situation happen to me here at the office, um, I would write write it down like a journal and think, okay, this happened to me. This is how I dealt with it. Um, if I was going to go back at it again, how would I have dealt with it in a different way? And what were the lessons learned? So I started doing this and it probably took me about 12 months of writing down or remembering situations from the past. And then I put a storyline and put it all together. Um, but it, it was a process and I wanted it to be coming from my experiences here at work. So it took a little bit longer. Um, and then the second book was a follow up just because I haven't covered a few subjects with the first book and people were like, Oh, we'd love to hear about this and we'd love to hear about that. So I said, okay, I missed a little bit <laughs> there. So the second book is more of a, it's more of a planner. Um, so make it happen is about if you wake up one day and you have zero motivation, uh, it's taking you through the steps, finding your motivation, setting your goals, uh, putting your first steps in place. And it, um, I love the final chapter, which is how to create a mega make it happen motivational day for yourself and, and get cracking on a project. So, um, it, it was both of those projects were great to, share with with the younger generations uh makes me feel good about being able to indirectly mentor mm. a lot of people and um i i genuinely think that the books have helped a lot of people make their decisions about whether changing careers or starting a new business or going through challenges or believing in themselves so yeah that makes me really happy mm, yeah i've really enjoyed both books actually there's Thank so you. many good pointers in there so what is your advice to anyone who is unhappy in their job they want to change their career or change jobs but they're either too afraid or they just don't know where to start what's your advice to someone in that position um well first of all um we we need to answer the question why are you unhappy about your job is it the industry that you don't like is it your boss that i don't you don't like is it because you're commuting to so you have to have a real reason why you don't like your job um if it's um small things like uh, i don't get on with someone at work or uh, the commute is too long or something's bothering me there but i really love the industry then you know, you just stick to the industry. So you, you just have to identify what is it that bothers you. If the industry is bothering you, like when I was fired from banking and the industry wasn't right for me, then you just have to go back and think, 
what is an industry that would make me feel passionate and even by looking at who do you follow on social media you know who inspires you who are the people who inspire you what do they do what is it about them that makes you feel excited um and then the one thing i would say is that and i've been doing this for too long is that anything that you do even if it's your passion you um you may love the industry you may love what you do but you're not going to love every single day so also the question is did you have a bad day and suddenly you want to quit everything and go somewhere else because i i have bad days and i love what i do but you know you have to take the good with the bad so it's identifying why do you want to change what is that's bothering you and really narrow down to the industry and and what makes you you know what rocks your boat a lot of people tell me they feel like they're kind of left out of the conversation when it comes to talking about career change or following your dream or following your passion because a lot of people just think well I don't have a passion there's nothing that really you know sets my soul on fire and really makes me want to get it well makes me get excited about something I mean it sounds like you've always had this passion but have you ever come across this where people are saying I just don't have a passion I don't know where to even begin when they're just really dissatisfied with what they're doing at the moment yeah it goes back to um who do you look up to I mean, there must be people, people that you admire, mm-hmm. and uh, just put a list together. What are the ten people that you admire right now that you would want to be friends with, and see what is it in their life and their career, and what they do. What is it that makes them interesting to you, uh, and do some analysis. And sometimes you just have to try different things. I mean, mm-hmm. I went to from um, working magazine to going to finance. Um, so I've had different career paths and sometimes if you don't know, you just have to be open to opportunities, say yes, get on a journey until you find what works for you. And, you know, for me, it took me a good six years to find out what my passion was. Mm. I didn't know what I would do. So it don't, don't stress yourself if you don't have a passion now, just follow the journey. I like that. Just be curious and Mm. do some analysis. That's really good advice. I ask all of my guests uh, this last question, which is, what is success for you? Success is still being excited to come to work every single day, um, being happy to see my team, sit down, have an exciting meeting that we all feel invigorated about, and, and being creative and still being happy and excited about what I do now like I was when I did it 20 years ago. And so would you say you're successful now? I am content with what I do. I think success is elusive. You can feel successful one day and not as successful the next day. So so I'm more about being content and being happy with um, most days outside the challenging days and and being able to be creative and and be productive that makes me happy and I guess brings a a certain level of success great well thank you so much uh, for sharing that with me Uh, it's been absolute pleasure thank Thank you. you thank you for having me Thank you for listening to Freedom Hunters. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It will help other people find it and hopefully help them find inspiration for their own career journey. 
And you can find more about what I left my legal career to do at SuzanneDelahunty.com or Instagram at SuzanneDelahunty. Tune in next time when another inspiring guest will be sharing their story of how they found freedom in a career that they love.